We are going to continue on in the book of Ephesians. We are finding our identity in Christ, and we are in chapter 4. We're walking through eight verses tonight, verses 17 through 24. So if you've got a Bible um, or a fake one on your phone, you can open that, and we will jump in real quick. We're talking about being new. We are made new. You like new things? We all like new stuff. We like the new year because we get a new, fresh start. We like uh, the idea of going to the gym and being done with going to the gym so that we can have, what, a new body. We want newness. We want new stuff. We like to be new. But what about our lives? What about our souls? The world promises a whole bunch of stuff that will make us new, but it kind of just rearranges the old, hoping that the new feeling will carry us. And ultimately, um, nothing changes unless we've got Jesus. And so we're going to be talking about what it means to be made new tonight. And I need your help to uh, kick things off. We're going to do a bit of a case study. I want to show you Two different identities, and I want you to think about um, what kind of decision-making would come out of these two lives. What, what would it look like to be one of these identities? And so let's look at the first one. First one is identity A. Now, this person is manipulative. They like to mess with people's minds. They like to get their way, and they will stop at nothing uh, to do it. They, um, they're conniving, and they're ultimately going to look out for number one even if it hurts the people they're around. This person also is anxious. they got deep-rooted fears in their heart, not just things that that are rational, like, oh, I could die today, um, but irrational things, things that probably won't ever happen. But if they do happen, they ultimately wouldn't make much of an impact in life. They're irrational fears, but they struggle with that. What about depression? Identity A um, is depressed. They have an overall pessimistic, negative outlook in life that everything's getting worse and they don't see hope. They don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it's hard for them. They're angry. They're bitter. They're resentful because they feel like God has ultimately uh, dealt them a bad hand. And they're frustrated with him, and so they take it out on everyone around them. And it's hard for people to get to know this person because they don't want to open up. They don't want to share emotionally. They've got a hard heart because ultimately they're bitter. They're bitter. They're suicidal. They think there's no hope. There's no way out of this. And so several times they try to um, take their life. They're hopeless. They just don't see what is the purpose of life. Now, do you think that this person who's got all this going on, so much pain, do you think they're going to make good decisions in general, healthy life choices? They're going to honor God very easily? Probably not. Some of those things are things that happen to them. Some things are just things that they are. Let me show you a different way. Identity B. This person's comforted. They've got the Holy Spirit of God coming in them, comforting their afflictions in a way that they never thought possible. They recognize there is healing, and God is a healer. They are loved. They don't just know about love, but they have tangibly received and experienced the love of God. They see the cross, and they see love, and they see him as one, and it is mind-blowing to them. They're forgiven, not just kind of forgiven, the best kind of forgiven, which is totally forgiven. They don't have the guilt and the shame and the consequences of their sin. God has taken them through the blood of Jesus on the cross, paid the price for them, and they realize that, and they rest in that. Therefore, they're hopeful, because they know that life isn't just life on earth. There is eternal life in heaven, and there's a new destination for them, and a new home, and there's an inheritance, and they get that with Jesus. And then they're renewed. 
They realize even though they got all that going on, they still need to be transformed. They got flaws, right? And so this person recognizes that God's changing them day by day by day. He never changes, but if we're in him, we're always changing, and they're renewed. They're joyful. Identity B has a deep-rooted joy that they never, ever, ever thought they would really find. And it's not just in their activity. It's in God himself. They might not have health and wealth, but they've got God, and they have a joy from him, and they're filled with purpose. They know why they were created and what they're going to do here on earth because God created them for a purpose. Now, let me ask you, do you think this person is going to make decisions that honor God and healthy life choices? Yay or nay? You guys are good at this case study thing. Let me ask you, what in the world does identity A and identity B have in common? A need for Jesus, for sure. Changed life? Well, yeah, I mean, you could say one of them <laughs> needs to be changed and the other one is changed, right? Anything else? I mean, there's probably not like a lot. I mean, they're completely different, aren't they? There doesn't seem to be much. Here's what identity A and B have in common. They're both me. They're both me. Identity A is the first 22, 23 years of my life. And he's still lurking way back there. He's my sin nature that says, eh, if you want to do your own thing, here's what it would look like. And for the past 10, 11 years, identity B has been my reality. But here's the thing. We all, if you're in Christ, have an A and a B. And every day you get to choose which one are you going to walk in. Are you going to walk in your old sin nature, which the Bible says put that off, take it off, push it away? Or are you going to walk in who Christ says you are? What would your identity A look like? You saw mine. What would characterize your life before Christ? You see, in chapter 4, and really 5 and 6, as we finish out Ephesians, we hear a lot about walking, doing, walking, and putting on the new self, putting off the old self. You're going to hear those words over and over and over. And so, how are you walking? What are you wearing? Sounds like an odd question for a sermon, but you're going to find out tonight. God gives us something to wear, a new self. And the big idea is this. As we walk through this, you're going to think about your life. The big idea is when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. In life, when you know who you are in Christ, you'll know what to do. And we've got a whole generation of Christians, and certainly non-Christians, who want to know, what am I supposed to do in life? And we've got to answer the first question, who are we? When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. So, let's walk through this. We're going to split this in half, the old you and the new you. And so part of this is going to be really uh, discouraging, and the other part will be really encouraging. Typical Ryan sermon, I know, but I'll let you choose which part is which. Verses 7 through 24. 
Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. 